Designing a boss on a platformer is a weird concept. How do you take a game genre defined for its level design and then simultaneously throw the player into a confined arena for a fight? Most of the time, this will result in a fairly distinct disconnect between the game's common mechanics and gameplay elements and the flow of its fights. For the sake of an example, look at the first Sonic the Hedgehog, a game synonymous with speed and precision platforming. However, when you reach one of the level's concluding boss encounters with Dr. Eggman, it's just a simple spin-jump-to-kill fight with none of these earlier level design motifs echoed. And as I mentioned in my video about Bowser's final boss fight in Super Mario Odyssey, the battle doesn't use the game's coveted and iconic capture ability, a staple in the level design disregarding the final brawl. However, while I could talk about the myriad of boss battles that missed their target of being a final review of their game's earlier design, I'd much rather throw some love to three different Bowser boss battles that I think nail their respective incorporations of their platforming gameplay. Hey there, I'm Skip the Tutorial, and this is Boss Battle Breakdown, a deep dive into the ins and outs of boss design. And hey, if this is your first time here, then make sure to smack subscribe for weekly analysis videos on your favorite boss fights. First off, let's focus in on this Wii U gem, Super Mario 3D World. One of the game's key introductions to the Mario series power-up collection was the addition of the Super Bell, an item that, when collected, allowed for Mario and friends to don a cat suit and climb for a limited amount of time up vertical walls. Because of this new ability, the game's accompanying level design shifted to feature a significant amount of additional verticality, so that players could be rewarded for exploring and experimenting with the full range of motion of the cat power-up. But if you were to look at the game's earlier bosses, such as the face-planting, back-slapping brawl of King Kathunk, or the multiple-target mayhem of fighting Motley Boss Blob, this concept isn't really mirrored, and the primary benefit of taking a Super Bell into the fight is just to allow yourself to take an extra hit. Despite the lack of cohesion in these lead-up fights, it's in Mario 3D World's concluding Bowser battle that its platforming prowess truly shines through. After traveling through the Big Koopa's maniac theme park and hitching a ride down the multicolored zipline, you stroll down the pathway and expect nothing too crazy, just a typical concluding fight with one of the most iconic bosses in gaming. No big deal. However, as the cutscene starts up with a pan reveal to show you the absolute scope of the final ascending tower, Bowser smashes down in front of you, only to take in a Super Bell himself and become the fierce, ferocious, adorable Meowser. And as the game gives back player control, you have little time for awe and confusion as you must climb the tower's cloud platforms before the giant feline beast catches up with you. Now to me, the beauty of this fight is in large part due to how the game takes its most iconic ability and gives it a villainous twist in addition to mirroring the earlier level's perfect situation for this power-up. One of the primary attacks even serves as a callback to the limited amount of climb time you have with the cat power-up. However, the game doesn't just end its references there. You see, halfway through the bizarre battle, while flying up the side of the building in a clear pipe, a red flash illuminates the bottom of the screen, and suddenly you're greeted to two Meowsers pouncing up the building on both sides, showing a use of the game's other staple power-up, the Double Cherry. And as you continue to climb and grow closer and closer to the roof, more and more Bowser clones are added to the pack, until your final face-off with five of the dang things on top of the tower. By flipping the premise of the game's central mechanics to the boss's side, the fight drives home a final boss battle's theme of, oh, so you think you know how to use them? Now let's test that out out of context. Partner this with a strong emphasis on vertical level design as you constantly send up the face of the tower, and the battle ends up serving as a fun bookend to the prior platforming scenarios the player had faced up to that point. By adhering to these specific design motifs, instead of those of the earlier boss fights in the game, the Meowser conclusion serves as a much stronger final exam of the game's ideas than just running a Bowser on a bridge. 
For the second example, let's take a deeper look into Mario 3D World's handheld precursor, Super Mario 3D Land on the 3DS. This time, after cruising through a lava hellscape on the spine of a sentient bony rail ride, you finally reach a cannon that launches you straight to the final staircase lead-up to the Bowser fight. Upon reaching the top, your reunion with Peach is blocked by the big baddie, just as the whole situation is cut short with the ground collapsing shortly after. From here, you're tasked with chasing after Bowser in a collapsing 3D platforming gauntlet filled with fireballs, tightropes, and even an original Donkey Kong throwback for good measure. And as you sprint down the final bridge to smack the big button that'll send Bowser tumbling to his doom, you're left thinking this fight wasn't too much different from your prior encounters with the decoys earlier in Adventure. However, just as you take those stairs up to save Peach, the Koopa jumps out of the smoldering abyss with a vengeance. Now boasting giant fireballs the size of bonsai bills, the entire tone of the fight is shifted, as now Bowser chases the escaping player, who is tasked with bolting straight to the top and out of the baddie's sights. With the epic final stretch of the fight featuring a straight-on chase with the boss, the whole experience comes full circle as you again hit another switch, and Bowser conclusively careens into the lava. Looking at this fight with the same perspective as we did with Meowser, the bookend strategy is still widely apparent in the platforming design of this one, as the battle pretty much plays out just as a more traditional level flow in this game would. My takeaway from this fight in particular, though, is how it uses its shift and objective halfway through to drive the player to the same goal of defeating Bowser, but through varied means. This changeup is very evocative, in the large part that twists play in Koichi Hayashida's level design, where an existing premise is established, expanded, and then altered before being compactly wrapped up. Overall, the level design's constant movement in both sides of the chase in this level pushes the player's platforming skills to a much more satisfying conclusion. As a final example, I want to take this discussion right back to 2009, more specifically to just at the release of New Super Mario Bros. Wii. Following up the widely successful and critically praised first installment of the New Super Mario Bros. series on the DS, this game had a lot of expectations leading up to it. And as would become a staple with the new series, the game's design felt largely similar to the previous one, and offered little more than than just a graphical bump when playing through the stages. The Final Castle of World 8 mirrors this trend as well. Following the series template of a themed level run-up before reaching the door to the boss's encounter, everything felt like a beat-for-beat -beat mirror of the game's prior boss castles. Heck, there didn't even appear to be too much innovation in the final stretch before the bridge fight, as Bowser spat fireballs to the player in a manner that he's been using since 1985. And as you time your evasive run under the baddie's leap straight to the final button, it really comes across that nothing's changed in the three years since the last game's release. But just as Peach, the quintessential damsel in distress, turns around to thank you, it's revealed to be nothing more than a fake-out featuring Bowser's very own Kamek, who casts a magical spell and begins the second phase of the fight, featuring a screen-filling gigantic Bowser. As your humongous foe chases you along the laid-out path, Bowser effectively takes on the role of the impending doom in an auto-scrolling stage, pushing the unprepared player further and deeper into the unknown of the right side. On top of this, the inclusion of Bowser's fire breath impacting the destructible environment shows how a boss's attacks can build a great dynamic between the player's short-term platforming goals and their long-term objective of beating the fight. While this fight doesn't feature the callbacks and references as much as I had mentioned in the previous two battles, I think it's stricter adherence to the game's pure platforming focus, in tandem with an exciting second phase twist provides for a much more Mario approach to a final boss fight's conclusion. Now, based off what I've learned from looking at these three boss fight examples, if I had to give 
any recommendations to any platforming game designers, it would be to keep in mind that boss fights, especially final boss battles, can serve as your best tool for a final review and conclusion of your earlier concepts and design. Even if you were making an action platformer, if your mechanics lean more to the platforming side, then I would definitely recommend your fight steer that direction as well. Because if you ask me, the best place to show off your sick double jump isn't in a one screen arena but an exhilarating vertical chase sequence where the timing of each secondary jump is crucial for survival. 